advocate who crowns my love, me with love and compassion, who satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. There is nothing, nothing that he can't forgive. So we come here by the blood of Jesus to refocus and put our worship on him because it's about him and it's not about us. And as we gather together, let's regain our focus onto the one who has saved us.
Good morning. Good to be here this morning on this crisp fall-like morning. Welcome all those here in attendance at the church, along with those listening at T102 and watching on Facebook Live. We have a few announcements this morning to start with. <clears throat> the flower arrangement on the altar this morning is in honor of Dorothy Preter, who will be celebrating her 99th birthday on Saturday, October 15th. Happy birthday, Dorothy. We also want to congratulate Robert and Tiana Fisher on the birth of their son, Calvin Herbie, who arrived on Tuesday, October 4th, weighing in 8 pounds, 9 ounces. Welcome home by his big, bro big brother, Jackson. Calvin is a grandson of Doug Height and Kristen Storr and the great-grandson of Carol Height. Congratulations to Renee Shrelicky and Nick Topp, who were united in Christian marriage on Saturday, October 8th. Renee is the daughter of Mark and Bev Sherlicky. Nick is the son of Michelle and Lance Anthony and Mike and Stacy Top. And the Big Blue Jug is out again this morning for donations for Hurricane Ian Relief. Those gifts go through Samaritan's Purse. You can give online. Just note Blue Jug or Hurricane in the comment line if that's the way you prefer to give. And now I'm going to ask Stan Ronnie to come up. Good morning. I'd like to ask Pastor Joel and Pastor Tori to come forward. As they're coming forward, uh, if you haven't noticed in the uh, under announcements in your bulletin, uh, October is uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, and we'd just like to uh, acknowledge these two for their hours of dedication and service to First Church. The other thing I'd like to mention is uh, their families, Jake and Allie and the kids. Uh, there's a lot of after-hours meetings and so forth that take place that many of us don't see, and uh, again, just like to acknowledge and thank them for everything that they do, and we just have a small token of appreciation to both of them, so join me in a round of applause for these two. And now that those that can and would, please stand and join me in the call to worship. Today's call to worship comes from Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes a refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to, do, to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are unrighteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have troubles, but the Lord delivers them, delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. He will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. We will continue to so stand and sing our next praise song, Ever Be.
now we invite all the children to come forward for children's chat. And while they're doing that, please take time to greet your neighbor. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. All right. So, I had to call in some reinforcements, you see, because I don't have these kind of toys at my house anymore. Because back in the day, we called this a transformer. Is this still a transformer, Benjamin? All right. All right, dude. Make it do its thing. So a transformer, come apart. We're not going to make noises. So it comes apart, and what can it turn into? What can we, we can transform it into something else? We can. We have all different kinds of other things that transform and turn into other things. Yeah, and it comes apart into a lot of different pieces. Does this come apart too, Grant? Oh. Look at that. It's held together with magnets. I just have to be a little bit more forceful. All right. Well, cool. So transformers. How many of you have transformers at home? Okay. The boys. That makes sense. So we transform something into something else. Can you think of anything else that transforms Yeah, toys can transform. But I want you to think of something that God made that might start out as a little caterpillar. Yeah, a butterfly. A a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. It transforms, doesn't it? So can we transform? We can? How do we transform? You start little and you grow. Yeah, you're kind of transforming over time. But transforming is changing into something else. Are you changing into somebody else when you grow? Or are you still you? You're still you. Yeah, we're still each one of us. So there was a guy in the Bible who, who transformed. He started out and his name was Saul. Yeah. Saul didn't like Jesus's followers and he was looking for them and throwing them in jail and sometimes he even did worse things to them than that but one day as he was walking to Damascus to look for Christians people who loved Jesus to put them in jail all of a sudden there was this bright light and this voice came from nowhere Saul Saul why are you persecuting me And that means, why are you hurting my followers? Now, that was Jesus. What do you think Saul did? Do you think he just kept walking along the road? No. No. He didn't keep walking along the road. He stopped. and I bet he was like in shock. And he says, who are you? Are you Lord? And, And the voice replied, I am Jesus. Whom you are persecuting, I have appeared to appoint you as my servant and to be a witness for me. So here, Jesus is telling Saul, this guy who was hurting Jesus' followers, that he was going to transform him. And he was going to make him love Jesus and his followers. Can Jesus transform us? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus can transform us like like that. Now... Saul did have his name changed to Paul. Paul, and he went on 
to tell many, 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 many people about Jesus and his love for us and how he died on the cross for us. And Paul even wrote parts of the Bible. Did you know that? So he turned out to be an amazing guy. Once he let Jesus into his heart and transformed into being one of God's followers. Okay? And that's what Jesus does for each one of us. He transforms us when we welcome him into our heart and say that he is our Savior. All right. So just like toys, people can transform too when we follow Jesus. So let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for transforming Saul. Thank you for transforming each one of us as we welcome you into our heart. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Benjamin, for sharing your toy with us. Amen. Amen. Well, you guys can head back to your seats. Thank you, Maria, for a wonderful children's chat. Our offering this morning is to go to support the Gideon's ministry, and we're really excited that we get to hear from a Gideon this morning. Uh, so I would like to invite forward Mr. Roy Plyman. Uh, he's with the Gideons, and he's going to share with us a little bit about the Gideon's ministry and what they do. So, Roy, thank you for being with us this morning. I invite you to come forward at this time. I do have to say, as you're coming forward, though, my son has about three Gideon Bibles, I think. Those little New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs tucked into his nightstand. He loves to have those and look through them. He's only four, so he can't read them very well, but he loves having those little Gideon Bibles in his nightstand. So thank you for being here and sharing with us about the Gideon's ministry. Thank you. Stay in the room. His parents told him before they went out. This is the story of John Price, son of alcoholic and atheist parents. One night staying in a hotel, his mother already passed out from drinking, his father still out on the town. He reached in the nightstand to find a Bible placed by the Gideons. By no coincidence, the Bible fell open to Psalm 2710, which says, when my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord will take me up. He felt the Lord speaking to him, so he took the Bible with him when he checked out. Something as Gideons we encourage people to do. Against his parents' wishes, he continued to read his Bible. Eventually, he came to know Jesus as his Savior. He not only changed his life, but he changed his parents' life too and brought them to the Lord. He eventually ended up attending the Moody Bible Institute today as a Methodist pastor. This is the power of God's Word. As it says in Isaiah 55:11, so will it be that the word, every word that goes forth out of my mouth, that it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper unto the thing where I sent it. All because of the Bible placed by the Gideons. Who are the Gideons? We were all members of local churches and were professional and businessmen. We act as an outreach of the local church to distribute God's word to the masses, internationally and locally. That's what Jesus told us in Mark 16:15 to go into ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We do this by distributing God's word in the Pathways of life, hotels, motels, hospitals, nursing homes, universities, schools, jails, and the military. The Gideon ministry operates in 200 languages in over 170 countries, and we have over 195,000 members worldwide. Last year, we distributed over 22 million Bibles and Testaments internationally, done by the Gideons and the Gideons Auxiliary. Locally, the Gideons and the Gideons Auxiliary distributed Bibles to nurses, nurses at nursing homes, to doctor's offices, to the Auglaise County Jail, and also at the Auglaise County Fair, and also did personal witnessing at the, at the jail. They distributed over 1,260 testaments and Bibles in these places thanks to generous contributions from the local church. 
We receive testimonies every day of the power of God's Word. Darlene grew up in Dayton, Ohio, where she experienced constant verbal abuse. She also experienced nightmares every night. When she started college, with continued nightmares every night, she started to think about suicide. While walking to class one day on her campus, a Gideon asked her if she'd like a free gift. Darling loved to read, so she accepted the New Testament. At this point in her life, she had never read the Bible. As soon as she arrived in the classroom, she started to read. She went on to continue to read, and when she got done with school that day, she stayed in her room and read the Bible that night. That night she prayed, God, if you are real, take away my nightmares. Darlene slept peacefully for the first time in years. Night after night she read and prayed. One day the words of the scripture gripped her heart and she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Darlene's life was never the same. Her nightmares and desire to commit suicide ceased. Through receiving Christ she found hope, peace, and love. Today, Darlene is happily married and attends a local Bible-believing church. Her story evidence once again that God's Word changes lives. Brandon Blair grew up a pastor's son. Looking back, he says, I knew a lot about Jesus, but I was living for the world. Fast forward to 9-11-2001 when the terrorist attacks happened. They shook him to his core. He decided to become a Marine. When he arrived at boot camp, he was given a testament, which is often where the Gideons operate. Many nights, Brandon would read this testament to help him find peace in his sleep. He went on to serve two combat tours, and the brutality of war hit him in 2006 when he was shot by a sniper in the chest. Knowing it was severe, He prayed for God to spare his life. Upon arrival at the hospital, he was told to the doctors it was a pure miracle. The bullet went through him without causing any internal bleeding. While in the hospital, a soldier friend came to visit. He found out two weeks later that his friend was killed by a sniper. This was a low point for Brandon, but he remembered the testament in his shirt pocket. He looked in the index to find a verse that would help him. And he came to Psalm 40, verse 3, 1 through 3, which says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard me cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. God brought Brandon out of his pit. And from that day on, Brandon has served God, beginning full-time ministry in 2008. God's word changed his life while laying in a hospital bed. The military gave him a purple heart, but God gave him a new heart. In all these testimonies, we see the power of God's word to change lives. Jesus' words are clear. We are to reach out to to the ends of the earth to bring the lost to Jesus. This is our Gideon mission. What can you do to help? Pray for the Gideon ministry for more membership. We need more Christian men regularly. Pray for continued access to where we distribute our Bibles. Bring someone hope with a Gideon card. We have a whole card program of cards for various situations, which for no more than the price of a normal card, you can send a Gideon card and just donate to the Gideons for what that would be, and that will not only bless the person you're sending it to, but also will help us. And last but not least, if, you're, if God puts it on your heart we, to help us financially, we thank you. All our distributions are funded by local churches, and 100% of all the money that comes in goes to buying scriptures. It costs $5 to place a Bible in a hotel, and for $1.25 you can provide a testament like this one, we hang out. This little testament has an index in the front. So when people are down on their luck and they're struggling, they can look in here and, and it has something for every situation. If you're dealing with abuse, you, they have three, two verses for you to go to.
which will help you get God's perspective on what the situation is, which will also change why you see things many times. Each one of these is, has Psalms and Proverbs and also the New Testament in it. With your help, together we can grow this Gideon ministry and bring, bring some more lost home to Jesus. And that's my word for today. Thank you, Pastor Buckland, and thank you, First Church of New Knoxville. And by the way, the worship was fabulous, and so, so, was, the, so was the kids up here. I was just a blessing beyond measure. Well, thank you, Roy, for being here. If you don't mind staying here, I'd love to pray for you and for the Great. Gideons. You know, a couple, a couple weeks ago, we had missionaries that were here at First Church, and they shared about how they were translating the Bible to uh, languages for unreached people groups. And, and we support them as a church. And the Gideons are doing a very similar ministry, not translating the Bible, but providing the Bible for people that need it and need to be impacted by God's Word. So thank you for what you do. And we're really grateful that we can support them financially through the offering this morning, but also um, through prayer. So let me pray for you and the Gideons. And then after I'm done praying, I'll invite the deacons to come forward to collect the offering with Barb playing a song for us on the organ. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for Roy and thank you for all the Gideons, Lord, and the work that they do. We just pray that you bless them now, uh, both financially through this offering, but also, Lord, uh, bless them uh, by empowering them and equipping them with your Holy Spirit to, to continue to provide God's word and be there for people who desperately need to hear and be encouraged by your word and be changed, Lord, not, um, and be changed, Lord, through the uh, an, uh, impact um, that your word can have on a person's life and through the presence of your Holy Spirit working in them. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. You. Deacons, you can come forward to collect the offering at this time.
invite you to pray with me at this time. Father God, we are so grateful for the chance to gather here together this morning to worship you in song and in word and now in prayer, Lord. You deserve all the glory and all the praise and all the honor that we can lift up to you. Uh, We just praise you, Lord, because you are faithful and you are good through every circumstance of life. We, We celebrate with families who just welcome new children into the world, who just families join together in marriage. And also, Lord, we also mourn with those who are suffering and who are hurting, who are dealing with the loss of loved ones. We just pray, Lord, that in each and every circumstance, both in our joys and our grief and everything in between, that we would see your goodness and your faithfulness at work. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for us. We thank you for the hope of eternal life that you have made available for us through him. And and we thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, our comforter, our helper, our advocate. We thank you for his presence in our lives as well as we seek to know you and love you and serve you in this world. Lord, we lift up our, uh, our names that are represented in the prayer list this morning, um, the, the varying situations that are there. Lord, you know what each one of those people and each one of those families need. And so we ask that you would do your will in their lives. And we pray, Lord, that you would give them faith, that you would give them strength to trust you in and through their circumstances. Uh, Lord, we also pray for those in authority over us, as your word calls us to do. And so we pray at this time for our state government. We pray for our governor, our legislature, and the courts, as well as other elected and appointed officials. May they make decisions that are honoring and pleasing to you and for the good of your people, Lord. And may you give them a hunger and thirst after righteousness that they would be satisfied. And we pray for our church in this place, Lord. We thank you. um, Just thank you so much for... Uh, Awana starting this past week and the the turnout that we had both with children and helpers. We're just so grateful, Lord, for a new ministry and a new opportunity to to uh, share your word, Lord, with uh, with the younger generation. And I just pray, Lord, you continue to provide for us in that way, both with help and with children to participate. And may Lord, may Lord, they be a, uh, may they be able to hide your word in their hearts as they um, go through this program. We thank you for all these things and pray them in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The scripture reading today comes from Acts 9, verses 1 through 31. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. 
Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. This is the word of the Lord for the people. Thank you, Anita. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful for your word and be able to read it together out loud, uh, just like we did. And just pray now, Lord, that as we study it together, that you'd open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd give me words to speak. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I just want to kind of jump right in here and, and begin to look at the story with you together. Now, Acts chapter 9, the story of Paul, excuse me, Saul, traveling down the Damascus Road is a story that's probably very familiar to most of us. We've heard this story growing up, and, and it's this story that often is the framework for people's testimonies, and they're kind of come-to-Jesus moments, right? We've, we've heard people give their testimony and frame it as, as an encounter with Christ, very maybe similar to how Paul describes himself here. Or Paul, the, the story of Paul here in this passage. In fact, Paul, later on in the book of Acts, recounts this story as a testimony of his own encounter with Jesus. But I think it's interesting. If we take a closer look, there's, there's something in here I want to point out to you before we move on. And that's, you know, we, we hear this story and, and we're so familiar with how it goes that maybe we don't notice that there's a little bit of tension going on in this passage. Right? As, as Saul, who is who is on his way to Damascus to arrest and persecute Christians, as he encounters Jesus on the road, it doesn't immediately say how he's going to respond. Look again here in Acts chapter 9, right? As he's traveling along the road and, and the bright light flashes and the, and the words come, Jesus tells him to go to Damascus and to wait for him there. But Saul doesn't speak a word again. Right? There's no clear indication how he's going to respond until after Ananias comes and prays for him. We sometimes know the end of the story, but it's interesting to live in the tension a little bit and understand that, that putting ourselves in the shoes of, of the first people who read this, who had never heard Saul's story before, we might not know how his story ends. But here we do. Right? We know that that through this encounter with Christ, Paul, I'm going to keep doing that, Saul is transformed, right? And as Maria rightfully pointed out, he goes, he goes by Paul later on in the, in the book of Acts, but here he's referred to as Saul. But Saul is transformed through his encounter with Christ. But he's not the only one in this story either. There's two other figures that come in and come alongside Saul and help him uh, in, in this chapter. And those are the figures of Ananias and Barnabas. Those two figures play an important 
role in the story and, and sometimes an overlooked one. See, Saul gets all the attention with his encounter with Christ on the road, but I do believe that Ananias and Barnabas play an important role in Saul's journey here. First, we, we can look at Ananias, right? He's a disciple living in Damascus. The, the Lord appeared to him in a vision and instructs him to go and pray for Saul. And, and I don't know about you, but if I were Ananias, I'd be, I'd be a little unsure and uncertain of this as well, right? He, he knows who this Saul person is. He knows that Saul is the one persecuting the church. And he even goes on to say, Lord, you know who this guy is, right? Of course the Lord does. But in obedience to the Lord, Ananias goes and prays from Saul, and prays for Saul. And then Saul regains his sight and is baptized and goes on to serve the Lord. He goes on to teach and preach that Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah. And that's where the second figure then comes in. Barnabas here has a role to play as well, because after some time, Saul is preaching in Damascus, and he runs into a little bit of trouble. Right, people were astonished. They couldn't believe that he had changed his perspective. And it upset people, and they conspired to kill him. And so he escaped Damascus and went to Jerusalem, but his reception there wasn't any better. The disciples get play. And that's where Barnabas steps in. Barnabas was introduced here. He stepped in and vouched for Saul when everyone else was afraid of him. He stood up for him against the naysayers. See, it was Barnabas' encouragement that made the difference. The disciples accepted Paul, and Barnabas eventually became one of Paul's partners in his missionary journeys. So that's a kind of quick overview of what we're looking at here in Acts chapter 9. But now that we have kind of seen the three different players, I want us to take a step back and look how each of these three characters help us understand how to be a more active church. You know, it's the title of my message today is that a church of and for the redeemed. There's two parts there, right? First, we see that Saul's transformation, the part that we are most familiar with in this story, Saul's transformation helps us understand that we need to be a church of redeemed people, a church composed of people who have been redeemed by the transforming power of God, right? Churches are not museums for saints. They're hospitals for sinners. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. If you think you belong in church because you're a good person or that you've got it all figured out, you're here for the wrong reason. This is a place for God's people to come together and say, I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I'm struggling. But by God's grace, by his power, I am forgiven. By God's grace, I am redeemed. And God's grace will see us through life's challenges. You see, Saul was transformed because he met Jesus out on the road there. And we see this transformation in three ways in this passage. First, we see that Saul was blinded and then he regained his sight. But the physical blindness that he experienced was meant to be a sign of the spiritual blindness that had plagued him so far in his life. He did not and could not understand the gospel until the scales were removed from his eyes. Paul, later on in his life, went on to write to the Corinthian church, In 1 Corinthians 1.18, he says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to we who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, a person cannot truly grasp the, the significance of the gospel, the full weight of the gospel, until those scales are removed from their eyes, until the Holy Spirit gives them spiritual sight back. And that only happens when a person encounters Jesus for themselves. So Saul was blind and then he saw. The second thing is that he, was, he went from persecutor to persecuted. The script was flipped, right? He was one of the most, um, you know, it's one of the most convincing proofs of the truth of the resurrection that Paul and the other disciples went from, uh, you know, Paul went from persecuting the early church to being persecuted himself. The disciples went from being scared and deserting Jesus on the night he was betrayed to being willing to suffer and die for him after the resurrection. People just don't change like that overnight unless something changes them in encounter with the risen Savior. Paul, Saul's tra- transformation also included going from trying to silence the believers to proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God and Messiah. He went on to preach the very message that he was trying to silence and at great personal cost to himself. He could not be silenced once that transformation took place. 
And again, what's at the center of this transformation? What's the catalyst that brought about this change? An encounter with the risen Savior. And we see that over and over again in the Gospels. After Jesus rose from the grave, it was a personal encounter with Jesus that made the difference in people's lives. The women at the tomb that first Easter morning were changed. The disciples on the road to Emmaus were changed. That, and that's still how God redeems people today. We need to recognize right, that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We may not all have Damascus Road experiences. We may not all have a bl- bright light blinding us from the sky or hear a voice from heaven. But we all need to recognize that no matter what we've experienced and no matter what we've gone through, we need to, we need to have the saving grace of Jesus Christ in our lives. We need him to remove the scales from our eyes. We need him to redeem us. And so we need, to, we need to be transformed ourselves. And we also need to be prepared to suffer for Christ. Right? God does not promise an easy life for his, feet, for his people. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Multiple times in the Gospels, Jesus warns his disciples that they too will be persecuted like him. For example, in John, the Gospel of John, he says, In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, the expectation is that Christians will suffer in this world. Some of that suffering is the result of living in a sinful and broken world, and some of that suffering is the direct result of following Christ. But Christians will suffer, and yet we can rejoice in our suffering because that's how they treated Jesus. And God promises to redeem us even in our suffering and even through our suffering. James 1 says that we should count it all joy when we face trials of many kinds and goes on to say that it's in those trials, in those tribulations, that we are matured and we are, our faith is strengthened. In Romans 8.28, it says that God works all things together for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. God can take all things even the hardships we experience in life, and use them for his purpose. And so like Paul, we must be redeemed. We must be prepared to suffer. And we must be transformed also for serving the Lord, for good works. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Right? After... Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is one of the greatest summaries of the gospel, right? That we are, we are dead in our trespasses and sins, but we've been made alive in Christ. And then he ends that wonderful passage by saying that, we are, that he has created us to do good works, which God created, prepared us, prepared in advance for us to do. We are not saved by our good works, but we are saved to do good works, saved to serve the Lord. And like Paul, we must be willing to speak his name boldly and not be ashamed of the hope that we have. And so we must be a church that is of the redeemed. We must be a church that is filled with redeemed people, sinners redeemed by God's grace. But we must also be a church that is for the redeemed. In other words, we must be a church filled with redeemed people who are willing to support and come alongside people in need of redemption, just like Ananias and Barnabas did in this passage. Again, just real quick, think of what they did for Saul here. Ananias was obedient to the Lord's leading, even when it was difficult, even when he was pushed out of his comfort zone, he was willing to obey the Lord and do what he was calling him to do. How many times have you felt prompted to talk to a friend about Jesus? How many times have you felt the need to pray for a friend of yours that was going through a difficult time. Did you do it? Right? Did you step out of faith like Ananias did and, and talk to them and share the hope that you have? That's what God is calling us to do. Ananias was willing to pray for Saul, right? to, to step out of his comfort zone and pray for him. This man who was on his way to arrest people just like Ananias, right? he was willing to step out and pray for him. Prayer is powerful and effective, and it's the medium through which God often works in this world. And Ananias also showed acceptance to Saul. Again, a small detail that might be overlooked in this passage that we're so familiar with. When Ananias goes and prays for Saul, he calls him brother. This man who is there to arrest Christians and persecute them, he lays hands on him and calls him brother Saul. He accepted him 
as one of God's people. So we need to be like Ananias and be obedient, encourager, and vouch for Saul and stood up for him against the doubters. An encouraging word can make all the difference in a person's life. Someone who's discouraged, someone who's going through a difficult time, a, a kind note, a kind word can make a difference for them. And so we need to be willing to stand up for brothers and sisters in Christ, encourage them as they seek to live for Christ in a fallen and broken world. Some people, yes, some people within the church may doubt their faith. You know how that goes, especially in a small town, right? Jesus faced the same thing when he returned to Nazareth, right? People said, isn't that just Joseph's son, right? Isn't that the carpenter? In a small town like this, everyone knows everyone else. Everyone knows their family, their story. But we need to come alongside each other. We need to support one another, even in those difficult seasons. We need to equip people to know and serve him. And yes, stand up for them when people doubt them. If we want to be a church of and for the redeemed, if we want to see people transformed by the power of God like Saul was, we need more people like Ananias and Barnabas in our church. You see, Saul may never have followed through with his decision to follow Christ if it weren't for Ananias. There is no indication that Saul responds positively to Jesus until after Ananias prays for him. And Saul may never have been as effective in ministry if it weren't for Barnabas. The disciples in Jerusalem doubted him and did not trust him until Barnabas spoke up. Until Barnabas spoke up for Saul and helped him gain acceptance and support. Saul went on to plant and support churches all over the Mediterranean region during his three missionary journeys. And I don't know if that would have been possible without someone like Barnabas to come along his side. People, we need to be a church of and for the redeemed. We need to be redeemed by the very grace of God that Saul was through an encounter with our risen Savior. And we need to also pray for and support those in need of God's redemption. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace, Lord, which is greater than our sin, which is stronger than our transgressions. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died and rose again to redeem us and that through our relationship with you, we can know and experience your grace. And I pray that we would be, a kind, be people that experience that for ourselves and share that good news with others. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service this morning, I invite you to stand with us again as we sing hymn number 527, Glory to His Name.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace.